0: Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be together again. And listen, I just want to thank each and every one of you who are supporting us, who are watching or listening to our services on a weekly basis. Thank you for those of you who are praying for this ministry and for those of you who are giving your tithes, your offerings to enable this church to continue its work. We appreciate you and uh, we love you and we thank you for your part in this work. Amen. And of course, today, happy Father's Day to all our dads and granddads. I hope you'll have a wonderful day. And being Father's Day, my message to you today is called a Father's Love. And no, I'm not talking about any specific human father today. I'm also not going to lecture the men today on how to be a more loving father. What I want to do is to take time today to speak about how our Heavenly Father loves us. And in so doing, I hope that all of us who are fathers and mothers learn something about loving our children well. In fact, we should all, all of us, fathers, mothers, and if you're not a father, not a mother, all of us should learn how to love everyone around us with the Father's love. Because the Word of God says that we are to love one another (laughs) as God has loved us. Of course, no one of us can love as God, as perfectly as God loves us. But you see, this morning, as we learn something more about God's love, perhaps we can learn something more about loving one another better, amen. As a basis for my message, we are going to read a very familiar story, the story of the prodigal son. Jesus tells us this story in Luke chapter 15. We will read the whole story And and this is a story with many theological and practical ramifications. But for the purpose of this message, I will just focus on the prodigal son, the younger brother, today. So let me give you, you know, the setting for this passage of Scripture. In this instance, Jesus was speaking, and he was surrounded by Jews. In this, you know, often he had Jews and Gentiles, but at this time, He had only Jews around him. But all these Jews are not of the same social standing. The Bible says that tax collectors and sinners came close to him to hear him. Tax collectors were Jewish men who worked for the Romans by collecting taxes from their fellow countrymen and passing it on to the Romans. They would often extort more than required from the fellow countrymen and pocket the difference. So these men were very wealthy men, but not very well liked by the people, by the community. And they were actually seen as traitors. Yet, many tax collectors wanted to hear Jesus speak. You may recall the event when Jesus went to the home of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and in the process, he was changed by Jesus. So there were tax collectors and sinners. Although tax collectors were sinners and considered sinners, the other sinners in the group would include those who were not very religious and those who were openly known for their questionable character and morality. But then the Bible says that there were also Pharisees and scribes These were the teachers and the keepers of the religious laws of the Jews who saw themselves as above the sinners due to their knowledge, their work, and their service to God. So, of course, the Pharisees and scribes began to complain and to murmur about the fact that Jesus, who was seen as a teacher, would mix with these less than noble people, tax collectors and sinners. So as we read this passage, try to hear it from the point of view of that crowd. Try to hear what they heard. Remember, the two groups of people there, those who knew they were sinners and those who thought they were good, law-abiding people, far better than the sinners that were around there. (laughs) Okay? To this mixed audience, Jesus tells the following story. We're reading from Luke Chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off to a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. When he came to his senses, note that, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. (laughs) But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come. He replied, and your father has killed a fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Oh, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me He was lost and is found. Wow. This story, this parable of the prodigal son is, among other things, a story of how God shows his love for us in ways we can understand and relate as humans. The title in many Bibles is The Parable of the Prodigal Son, but a better title should be The Parable of the Loving Father. This story shows a father's love for his two sons, both of whom were prodigals in different ways. None of these two sons fully understood their father's love for them, and their only concern was for their father's positions. So, how did the father In this parable love, let me show you three ways in which he loved his prodigal son. That will show us three ways in which our heavenly father loves us too. Okay, here we go. Number one, he let him go. The father let the son go. Listen, in those days, sons never asked for their inheritance. The father determined if and when he would divide his possessions with his children. Usually, the division would only happen after the father's death. But but sometimes, a father could choose to share his possessions while still alive. But never would a son request or demand his inheritance. This would be a great insult and disrespect to a father. This would be equivalent to say that they wish the father was dead. (laughs) Yet, in the story, this is exactly what this son does, the younger son. Again, it was tradition that the eldest, the firstborn, would get double the amount of the inheritance. So in this case, the youngest brother would be requesting a third of the father's possessions. Now, the surprising thing in the story is that the father agrees, and he gives it to him, and then he lets him go. The father let him go. How is this an act of love? You see, this young man does not wait for his father to divide his wealth, but rather demands his portion. And the dead gives it to him, even though it is against his bitter judgment and against wise counsel. The father gives it to him with no strings attached and no manipulation from the father's part. When the son was old enough, listen, when the son was old enough to make his decision Even though it was a foolish decision, his father let him make it. The father loved him enough to let him go. You see, God, our father, is like this. When we make up our minds to do something, even if it is foolish, he lets us go. He lets us do it. We are free to disobey Him if we want to. We can reject religion. We can abandon church. We can ignore wise counsel and and what the Word of God says. Whatever the Bible teaches us, we are free to ignore all that. We can ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that still small voice, and go on our own way. We can be stubborn and full of pride. And God will not stop us. You see, some think that that God should stop us when we do foolish things. God should throw a lightning bolt in our path. You know, speak from heaven or do something spectacular to get our attention, to get us back to the right path. (laughs) But God is not like that. You see, love does not manipulate you. Love leaves the door open. Love does not put us in a safe, you know, quote unquote, safe prison. God loves you and me. God loves humanity enough to allow us to be free. Love is vulnerable. God loves man enough to risk being rejected by Him, so that those who are faithful to Him, to God, do so by their choice, by their own free will, and not because they were coerced or forced to do so. God risks rejection in order to get true love and faithfulness in return. God does not confuse control with compassion. We tend to do that sometimes. Due to our compassion, due to our love for those who are dear to us, we may step over a line and and try to control them, to manipulate them, to act or behave in the way we think they ought to behave. It takes a great amount of self-control to hold back. When you see someone you love making a mistake and going the wrong way, God is not confused. He does not confuse control with compassion. And when a child wants to go, God lets him or her go. God loves mankind enough to let them choose the way they want to live and to live the way they choose. But you see, like the father in this story, God's love does not end with a goodbye. Uh uh-uh. That is because there's another way in which a father loves. And this is what the father in this story did. Number two, he waited for his return. Yes, the father let him go. <laughs> but from the moment that son walked away, the father began to await for his return. Amen. (laughs) The father didn't bang the door after him in anger. He didn't tell him never to come back again. He did not go and change all the locks so the son could never get back in the house again. Nor did the father go into depression and beat himself up, wondering what did he do wrong for the son to do that as a father. Mm -mm. None of that. This father simply went into what? Waiting mode. Day after day, he waited. We do not know how long he waited, but man, it was a long time. The son traveled to a far land. Then he wasted all his inheritance. Then a famine hit the land. And the only work he could get was feeding pigs. Did you get that? A Jewish boy feeding pigs. I think the only reason he got this job during a famine was because he was a Jew. And the farmer knew he would, this boy would not eat his pigs, okay, no matter how hungry he got. In fact, he could not even eat the food that he gave the pigs. Wow. All the time, back home, the father is waiting. And when the son comes to his senses and returns home, the Bible says that while he was still far off, the father saw him. Why did the father see him Why he was still far off? <laughs> because he waited for his return. And as soon as he saw his son returning, he made himself available and he went to meet him. In fact, the story says that the father ran to meet him. Again, uh, this this is first century. And in the first century, older men never ran. They walked. Young men, they ran around. (laughs) And so when people listening to this story heard this, they would perhaps expect the young man to run to the father. But no, the father runs towards the young man. And that is the way that God loves us. He is waiting and available all the time if we would only notice it, the beauty and abundance of God's creation, His provision in so many ways in our lives, the capacities, the talents, and the abilities that He has given us, given you, our will, our intellect. These are all gifts of love from the Father, telling us He loves us and He is available to us. And then He assures us of His desire to have us with Him for eternity. He provided the way for us to be with Him for eternity. And these are all signs of God's love for us. They are reminders of His concern for us, no matter where we go. (laughs) This father, the father in this parable, had great faith. At one point while talking to his older son, the father said that the younger son was dead but came back to life again. This was an assessment of the young man's condition. He was gone. He was unfaithful. He was destitute. He was dead to his family, dead to his people, dead to his God, all by his own choice. But this father had great faith. The father waited for his son's return. Such is the foolishness of a father's love who loves his children. He waits and he waits and he waits. And such should be the love of human fathers who love their children, that even when their children have gone astray, they hope against hope that they will receive them back from the dead like the father in this story. They wait for the return of their children. Listen, if you as a father or a mother identify with this father today, if you have a child who has gone astray, who is disappointing you, perhaps who has left home and is doing things contrary to wise counsel and better judgment, may I encourage you today, don't give up. Wait for their return. Be expectant. Be available. Be praying and trusting that the Holy Spirit would convict and convince them and When the day comes that they repent, change their minds, and return home with a humble and submissive heart, run, run to them and be present. Amen. This is how God's love works for us. While we sin, while we ignore Him, while we harm ourselves and maybe even mock Him, all He does is show us His love. He waits for us. And perhaps you're watching or listening today and you identify yourself with the prodigal son. You are the one who turned your back on God for whatever reason. And you are feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit to come back. Maybe you're wondering, will God receive me back after all I did? And through this story, Jesus is telling you, yes, God will. He yearns for you to return home. He's waiting for you. And before I close today, I will give you an opportunity to pray and return to the Father. So back to our story. The Father let him go and then the Father waited for his return. And when the Son did return, the Father showed perhaps his greatest show of love. Here it is. Number three. He restored him. His father, he stored him as a son. Listen, it is one thing to take back a wayward child, but it is another thing to restore a wayward child. All the son wanted was to be taken back, but the father would hear nothing of this. He hugged his son and kissed his son and would not hear of just making his son another worker in the farm. The father restored him back to the position of a son. Look at verse uh, 22 again. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. He put the best robe on his son. The son probably arrived home in in rags. And so the father calls for the best robe. A robe also signifies position. Long robes were worn by nobles. The father wants to make sure his son knows he's not being received back as a worker in the farm, but as a son. He put a ring on his finger. This was a sign of dignity, of favor, and of sonship, as it probably was a signet ring with a family's emblem. Then he put sandals on his feet. He probably arrived barefoot, but the father put sandals on his feet, and not just for comfort, but to emphasize that he was a son, not a slave. At the time, slaves walked mostly barefoot. Both the ring and the sandals signified that he was not to be treated as a slave or servant, but as a son of the house. Wow. (laughs) And then the father gave his son a party. This was a platform for him to feel welcome, to, to meet the family and old friends again. Through this party, the father gave the son permission to laugh again, to feel welcome and valued, the right to experience joy again. With forgiveness comes restoration, and with restoration (laughs) comes joy. The father restored his lost son to being a son again with all rights and privileges. The older brother became jealous of what was happening to his younger brother after all he had wasted. But the father defended the younger brother trying to get the older son to understand mercy. You see, the father gave the youngest son debt, which he did not deserve no work for. And debt is a picture of our father in heaven. When we return to God in repentance, he does not give us what we deserve or what we have earned, no. He restores us completely as sons and daughters. As such, God does not hold our past against us, but welcomes us back and restores us to the position He always had for us, His sons and His daughters. So, this Father's Day, where are you in relationship to your heavenly Father? Do you see God? As a loving, merciful father, or is he distant to you? As I said earlier, you can come back to God today by a simple prayer. Like that prodigal son, there must come a time in your life when you say, Enough, I am going back home now. And so he got up and started his journey home. And you can make your journey home now by praying this prayer after me and simply say right where you are. Just say, Father God, I come back to you today. As that prodigal son, I ask you to forgive me and to take me back into your family. I believe you are a merciful God and that you will forgive me and restore me. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. And if you made that prayer, (laughs) the Bible says that there is rejoicing in heaven. There is a feast in heaven celebrating your return. One day, you and I will join all our brothers and sisters in Christ in the presence of our Heavenly Father. And what a feast that will be. Until then. Let us continue growing in the knowledge of the will of God. Let us do what His Word instructs us to do and to be. And let us help other people who are far from God to come closer to God. Amen. Let us close in prayer and then let let us enjoy this Father's Day further. Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for your love for us. What a wonderful Father you are. Thank you for loving us in this way. For loving us enough to let us exercise our wills. You became vulnerable because you loved us. But I thank you, Father, that more and more people are turning to you. We turn to you today, Father God, and say, Lord, we love you. You are our Heavenly Father. And Father God, I pray that you are blessed today in a very special way. All our fathers and grandfathers, great-grandfathers who are watching, who are listening, Lord, I pray your blessing upon them. Help all of us as parents, as fathers and mothers as well, just to, to learn to love our children the way you love us and to express that love to them, Lord God. Thank you that you are our ultimate Father, that you can help us to be better fathers, better parents, better individuals. Help us to glorify your name in our life on this earth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, enjoy this Sunday. Have a blessed week and we'll see you next Sunday.